Welcome back to another edition of the Boilers Extra podcast on this Saturday night as we are on the road again, driving from the Mohegan Sun to our uh, hotel for the weekend in Connecticut after Purdue basketball defeats North Carolina 93-84 to at the, at the old sold-out casino arena. Uh, and it was packed. Uh, great crowd on hand, energetic. A lot of Purdue fans in attendance. A lot of North Carolina fans in attendance. A lot of Villanova fans in attendance. A lot of Tennessee fans in attendance. So, packed house. And Purdue's victory moves them to Saturday's championship game at 1 o'clock. That game is on ABC. And they will play Villanova, uh, which really dominated Tennessee in the first game on Saturday. That was not much of a game, unlike the Purdue game, which was a pretty entertaining game. Um, Back and forth, not from a score standpoint, but back and forth as far as uh, scoring runs and stuff like that. Two, Two key stretches for me in this game. Uh, number one was the first half, the last nine minutes, when Zach Eady and Travion Williams both picked up two fouls. <coughs> Excuse me, or they, they had two fouls by then. They didn't pick them up all with nine minutes to go. But they had to go to the bench with nine minutes to go, and Purdue had to adjust and play through that, and they did. They were leading by six at the time, and when they got to halftime, they were still leading by six. So that, in my mind, was a win for Purdue to get through that stretch uh, with uh, Edie and Williams on the bench, two fouls. Caleb First played to five. Ethan Morton played to four. Uh, First was really good defensively during that stretch. Uh, he, um, He had two blocks. He had a deflection. And then on the offensive end, uh, he had a big three-pointer. Jaden Ivey was big during that stretch. Uh, he scored eight points there, a uh, pair of threes. And, you know, Purdue was just able to, to maintain its lead uh, at the end of the first half. And then the other key stretch, the second half, you, you all saw it. Uh, everybody's writing about it, the, the Jaden Ivey sequence, where Purdue goes down one. And then Zach Eady ties it with the free throw. And then North Carolina, you know, they miss. And Jaden Ivey gets the defensive rebound. Coast to coast, finds Sasha Stefanovic. Three-pointer. North Carolina misses again. Jaden Ivey gets the rebound. Coast to coast. He finds Isaiah Thompson in the corner. Another three-pointer. And then he caps it off with a uh, traditional three-point play uh, right around the eight-minute timeout, media timeout. Uh, he came back after the timeout to complete the free throw. You know, Purdue went from being down one to being up nine, uh, all within a matter of seconds, really, less than a minute. It didn't take that long for uh, for that to happen. Uh, and then from there, I mean, North Carolina made another run, but uh, Purdue stepped up and continued to make shots. They went inside to Travion Williams at that point. Uh, he kind of carried them home, uh, and Purdue... You know, put the put this game away. Uh, they scored 90 points again for the fourth straight game. Um, kept hearing how bad North Carolina was defensively coming into the game. Um, 
Uh, they're not good, I'll tell you that, but I'm not sure what defense would have slowed down Jaden Ivey uh, today. Um, you know, maybe Villanova will. I, you know, I, you know, we'll see. We'll see on Sunday. But there, there, a lot of teams wouldn't be able to slow down Ivy today. I mean, he took over the game. He, he did what we've seen him do in his brief career at Purdue: just take over and go. And it's up to it's up to everybody else to kind of keep up with him. You know, Matt Painter emphasized afterwards the, those plays were just simple plays that he's trying to get him to do more often and as you know Painter preaches simple plays just make the right pass at the right time and no more has to go into it than that and that's what those plays were just simple passes Um, and he dominated the game from a passing standpoint he had six assists Sasha Tavanovich had eight assists Uh, Ivy ended up with a double-double 22 and 10, and all 10 uh, rebounds were on the defensive end. Stevanovich had 23. Travion had 20. 18 coming in the second half. So they got they got good production out of offensive production from three players uh, from a double figure standpoint. But you know throughout the game there were moments when you know Kayla first hits hits a three or um, you know Zach Eady was dominating early. Uh, so they, they, you know, they, they're doing what what we thought they would do, where they just have a lot of weapons on offense, and it's up for the other team to kind of match that. And I think Sunday's game is going to be a little different because Villanova is going to try to dictate tempo a little bit more and may not get into a transition shootout with Purdue. Uh, but you know, Purdue's going to if Purdue can control the glass, then they're they're going to go out and do that. But this, you know, this was Purdue's first test, neutral floor, a marquee program, a marquee team. Uh, even though North Carolina uh, does struggle to uh, take care of the ball, um, that that is that's an issue for them. But they've got scores. Uh, you know, they they didn't have the big the bigs to really uh, compete full time with Purdue because some of their bigs got in foul trouble. Uh, but that's the way it's going to be when Purdue plays just about everybody. You know, they just don't have a 7-4 a 6-10 you can go against. Uh, but North Carolina is really good offensively. Uh, they can shoot it with the best of them. You know, Purdue left them open quite a bit. Um, and, you know, you, you, you just, you know, at what point does the defensive uh, things kick in for Purdue? Uh, maybe you just... Maybe you just have to accept the fact that this team is not going to be at the level defensively that um, that we're used to seeing, or that Matt Painter, you know, thinks it can be. Now they'll they'll keep working toward it, and you have to. But I equated a little bit to football, where you really have to be good on third downs defensively. You know, the whole goal of a defense is to get off the field on third down. And if Purdue can do that from a basketball standpoint, make the key stops when it's time, when it's important, and let their offense kind of continue to work. You know, we're four, four games in. There's going to be improvement defensively. But, you know, if there's not, or if you're just going to get in the games where you feel like you can get 80 or 90 points every every time out, 
then you're going to go ahead and do it. Uh, but it, it's going to be preached. You know, you're going to have to play defense at some point uh, during one possession or the last minute of the first half or uh, the last 30 seconds of a game. You're going to have to bring it defensively. And, you know, maybe that's the difference for this team is do they know when they have to bring it and they have to play it at a high level. And I think Sunday is going to be one of those times where, you know, Purdue's going to have to be a little bit better defensively to to kind of slow down Villanova. Uh, but, on the other hand, if Purdue's offense is, is clicking the way that it has been, then, you know, they might, uh, you know, you just, you just kind of outscore them. You know, Painter knows it can't, you know, in the Big Ten, it just it's just not going to be this way. Scoring comes down when you go into the into conference play and, and things like that. So, uh, but you just, you're just trying to pick up as many wins as you can before you start uh, the conference season. Now, you know Purdue. I, I, I don't I don't believe Purdue's in a situation like Iowa, where defense really doesn't exist in that program, uh, and we've seen that for a number of years. I, I think Purdue is on its way to trying to improve its defense, and the pieces and the foundation are in place to play defense. But it's just not—it's not clicking at the point where it should be right now. And again, a lot, a lot of season left. And uh, I, you know, I think you know that that part of their game will eventually get straightened out, but to what level, you know, I don't know. I thought Eric Hunter gave him some good minutes tonight off the bench uh, and, you know, ran the floor very well, pushed the ball in transition, got Purdue going uh, in the half-court offense. First half, they were, I, I felt they were struggling with their turnovers in the first half in the half-court, um, and it just, it just led to some bad possessions, and it kept kept North Carolina in the game a little bit longer than maybe maybe they should have but I, I you know they, they they finally cleaned that up uh, in the second half and just you know again a good good performance uh, by Purdue don't have all the numbers in front of me but uh, they're 4-0 now scored 90 points in every game and now you, you know you get another test Sunday against Villanova uh, it should be a uh, should be a really good game. Uh, and again, you know, try, just trying to kind of see where you stand and stack up. You're gonna you're gonna you're gonna go you're gonna start that game with not a lot of prep time and just kind of play and see see how things go. Uh, but I expect another packed arena uh, tomorrow uh, at the Mohican Sun, uh, and then. Uh, Purdue, Purdue will be back home uh, next week to play Omaha on Friday before getting ready for the Big Ten ACC uh, challenge. So, uh, nice win for the basketball team. Good win for Purdue football today at Wrigley Field against Northwestern. Milton Wright, uh, the star of the receiver group there. Three touchdown passes, uh, eight catches, I believe, for 213 yards. Uh, it, 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 it looked like that... Uh, uh, Jeff Brown found the the cornerback 
cornerback with a C that he wanted to pick on uh, today. And uh, I think Milton Wright uh, took advantage of, of that, of all those play calls and uh, what, what Jeff Brown viewed as a weakness uh, in that secondary. And uh, So Purdue gets the seven wins uh, and can get to eight next week against Indiana. You know, and then a bowl game might, you know, would get them to nine if they were able to win that, and that's that's quite an accomplishment. Seven was, you know, I think as I've said numerous times, I thought seven was the high, you know, would be the high water mark for this team. You know, now a chance, really, really good chance to get eight, and then see who they play in the bowl game uh, if they can get nine or not. You know, that that's going to be yet to be determined. But you know, the defense. Back to the offense real quick. You know, some of their early season problems uh, popped up with getting into the red zone but not scoring touchdowns. But after missing his first field goal, Mitchell Finneran uh, came through and, you know, gave Purdue an early lead. Uh, and then Purdue just kind of, you know, found ways to score some touchdowns uh, later in the game uh, to, to kind of put, put that thing away. Defensively, uh, you know, there were a couple drives where you thought Purdue was going to get off the field, but it, uh, it didn't happen. Uh, but late in the game when they needed to make some plays, uh, four straight plays, four straight sacks, by different, all by different guys. Uh, so uh, they, they, they got after the quarterback when it was time uh, to kind of put the game away, and I think the defense got back to uh, the way that they were playing, you know, before playing Ohio State, which... You know, you saw today that Ohio State's offense just torched a you-know-what out of Michigan State. Uh, so they're going to do that to a lot of teams. Uh, they've already done that to a lot of teams. They've got one more Michigan, and then the you know if they can win that game, the Big Ten uh, the Big Ten championship game uh, probably against Wisconsin. Uh, we'll see what what happens in uh, that game because you know. We all saw that Wisconsin has a has a really good defense, uh, but can it stand up to that passing attack with those three receivers? And uh, when they get when they get the running game going, uh, that that will be interesting to see. But from Purdue standpoint, uh, you know the old old oaken bucket. Uh, they'll be looking for that to return. I don't believe Indiana won today, uh, so they're still searching for. It's first Big Ten win. Uh, they would like nothing better than to keep the bucket. That's about what they have to play for. Uh, Purdue has to, you know, has a lot to play for as far as getting the bucket back, but also taking another step forward with with eight wins uh, in the regular season and improving uh, maybe their their bowl situation, uh, depending on how uh, a lot of a lot of different things uh, work out. So. Uh, it's going to be the last home game for a lot of players, uh, seniors being number one, but probably players who are not seniors. You know, George Karloftis had a blocked field goal today, uh, and David Bell, I think, had 10 catches today, but I, I don't think it's any secret they're, they're, they're likely headed to the NFL draft. Uh, because they're eligible now, since they've uh, you know played played three years, uh, so 
don't be surprised if they go through senior day ceremonies uh, on Saturday, and there could be others as well. Uh, still don't know about Aiden O'Connell. Uh, he was asked about it the other day and said he hadn't had made up his mind uh, what he's going to do. Uh, but you know, those, those decisions are probably going to come pretty quickly. Uh, and a lot, you know, and just because you go through senior day doesn't mean that you're definitely leaving. Uh, there's been several players that come through the program that have had mul- multiple senior days uh, during their careers. So it's not it's not a hard and fast rule that just because you go through senior day means you you are going to uh, uh, not be back. So uh, you know we'll see what transpires during the week. It is Thanksgiving, so the, you know the schedule gets thrown off just a little bit. Uh, so you know we'll see what happens there. I think you know Purdue. It's important for them to get back on the winning side today, and they, they should have, and they did. And now to finish off the regular season uh, on a positive note and beating Indiana would, you know, probably propel them into, you know, whatever postseason bowl game that, they, uh, that they're going to be in. Now, a lot of that won't be determined or in place until, you know, how many Big Ten teams are going to be in the college football playoff, probably just one right now. But then, how many are going to the New Year's Six, which includes the Rose Bowl? Uh, so you have to get all those teams slotted. And then uh, you'll have a trickle-down effect from there. Uh, I don't know if Purdue is going to be in a position to get a New Year's Day game. Uh, I think that uh, would be a little bit of a long shot right now. But the other bowls that would be in consideration outside of um, New Year's Day, you know, you're looking at three. Uh, You're looking at the Pinstripe Bowl in New York against an ACC team. You're looking at uh, the Las Vegas Bowl in, obviously, Las Vegas. That would be against the Pac-12 team, and I believe the third one is the Guaranteed Rate Bowl in Phoenix against a Big 12 team. Uh, Any of those three, I think, would fit Purdue fit the type of team uh, that that it is and probably match itself up against a, an opponent, uh, a good opponent, but that that's not going to do what Auburn did to him. Uh, so, uh, and I, you know, and I think uh, there's some stuff that I've heard is that um, Las Vegas Bowl is trying to make a big splash in its first year with the Big Ten which means that they're probably looking at trying to get some sort of high-profile opponent with a big old brand name that obviously Purdue doesn't have. Uh, but who's going to be available to them, how, how they can work that out, you know, is going to be something that uh, uh, we just have, kind of have to wait, wait and see. You know, if, if it's the pinstripe bowl, then you, you're playing an ACC team and Big 12 and the guaranteed rate. Uh, so, and both those would be good destinations. Although the one in New York is right between uh, Christmas and New Year's, uh, so the the temperature would not be uh, maybe ideal. <laughs> it would be warm, put it that way. Uh, so, but chance to play in Yankee Stadium. Uh, I mean, think about it. If uh, you know Purdue had chance, Purdue has played in Wrigley Field. And would have a chance to play in Yankee Stadium. 
to iconic baseball venues that you played football games in. I mean, that's something that uh, not a lot of people have done that are still alive. Now, back in the day when the Bears played at Wrigley Field, and uh, I think one of the uh, NFL teams in New York, I think, played at Yankee Stadium. You know, you had football players playing in those venues all the time. But how many guys in college can say that they played Wrigley Field and Yankee Stadium in the same season? So it'd be quite uh, an impressive uh, note to put on your resume uh, or something to give you to talk about later in life if that would happen, but we're still kind of a long way away from how that's going to materialize from a from a bowl standpoint. All right, well, we appreciate you stopping by. Uh, no questions tonight uh, since I'm maneuvering the, my rental car through the uh, darkness of Connecticut. Uh, so we'll get back and answer more questions next week as, uh, as Purdue basketball and uh, Purdue football get get ready to play some games over the holiday break, uh, and we'll be back Sunday night after the uh, Villanova game to recap and uh, share share thoughts about what transpired in the championship game of the Hall of Fame tip-off tournament uh, out here in Connecticut. Until Sunday, thanks for stopping by and have a good day. <laughs>